Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 99 of My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and in case you've not heard this podcast before, this is where I talk to my guest about the five things they would pick from any time in their life that they would like to preserve for all time in a time capsule. They pick four things they love, but they must also choose something that they regret, or even loathe, something they would like to banish from their life. Doing that with me in this episode is the actor Emma Cuniff, who's been on our TV screens regularly since the mid-90s in such wonderful shows as The Lakes, Great Expectations, All the King's Men, Clocking Off, and alongside Robson Green and Mark Benton in Clash of the Santas. She's also been in Hetty Wainthrop Investigates, Flesh and Blood with Christopher Eccleston. She played DS Tina Murray in New Tricks and was in Doctor Who with Matt Smith, plus Appointment with Death, Poirot, Waterloo Road, Endeavour, Doctors, Unforgotten, written and produced by one of our previous guests, Chris Lang. She was also in Midsummer Murders, Father Brown, A Touch of Frost and Silent Witness, twice as two different characters. Her film work includes Among Giants, Innocence and Laura Marks in the film Miss Marks. And on stage, she won the UK Theatre Award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for her performance in The Master Builder. Her other stage work includes Tales from Hollywood, Losing Louis at the Trafalgar Studios in London. She was nominated for the What's On Stage Award in 2011 for her role as Elizabeth Proctor in The Crucible at the Open Air Theatre Regent's Park, where incidentally you'll be able to see her as the nurse in Romeo and Juliet this summer. Emma was also in Women Beware Women, and she appeared as the eponymous monarch in the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of Helen Edmondson's Queen Anne in Stratford and at the Haymarket Theatre in the West End. So, I hope you enjoy listening to the lovely Emma Cuniff and the things she'd like to put in a time capsule. So you've been thinking about things you want to put into the time capsule. Yes. Have you chosen five things? I have. Um, and I have to say, when, when you first sort of asked me about doing it, I 
I thought, oh, I don't know. I can't think of anything. I, well, what am I going to say or think of? And then, and then suddenly, one idea led to another, another led to another. And before I knew it, I had about 50 things, which <laughs> makes me think I'm a bit of a hoarder, which I think I probably am. I mean, already now I'm looking at something in my front room, a lovely lamp that my mum gave me. I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to put that in. You know, I'd love to have it full of treasures because I think that along the way in life you do find objects that you adore or th- and then you have another memory that you think gosh that's got to go in but if that goes in then the other one's got to go in so you end up with a lot of things so but I've had to pare it down and have a declutter of my <laughs> I know some people cheat you know that don't you some people say things I'd like to put my entire house in. You go, no no that's not fair <laughs> oh I can't say that then that's what I was going to say <laughs> no but I, I, I sort of have kind of been a bit cheaty well you might allow me it but it's sort of talking about something in terms of a collection but then there's one item in that collection which I would definitely keep so if it just has to be pared down okay then all right so what's your first item my first item is a a, a piece of vinyl a vinyl record and I was going to say it would be my vinyl collection, but of course, mm. if you would allow me to put my collection in, I would, but I would probably just choose this one record. And the record is by a, a fantastic singer called June Cuniff, who is my mum. Oh, really? Yeah. So my mum was a semi-professional singer and she started singing at the age of two and she sang with um, in working men's clubs in the Midlands, um, when she was 12 and she used to sing in cinemas she told me and Mm. and then she sang with big bands in the midlands um a a band called the bob miller bob miller and the miller men she's got the most beautiful beautiful voice she sounds a bit sort of doris day uh kind of beautiful jazz singer and she had interest from an agent um and she could have become i think a bit of a star but she she went to meet this agent in London. She tells the story of going down to London and, and and sort of being wined and dined by this guy who was going to take her on. And then he said, oh, I see you're, um, you've got an engagement ring on. And she said, yes. And he said, oh, well, if you're going to get married, it's going to be too difficult for you to have a career. Oh, no. And, and, and I don't know whether that was because there was some old, other ulterior motive. I don't think there was. But I think that... Um, Mum decided she was going to get married and she wanted a family more than she wanted her career. So she went down that path. Mm. But she... She has got still a beautiful voice. So when she was 50, my dad, for her birthday present, thought it would be lovely to cut a record. So he hired a studio for her in Wigan, of all places. I only found out it was Wigan recently. I used to think it was in the Midlands. But um, she went... Many great bands from Wigan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can't actually think of any, but I'm sure there are. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Part of the Manchester scene. But anyway, she went and recorded this album, um, which has a lot of fantastic classic songs on Blue Moon, Folks Who Live on the Hill, Dream a Little Dream. Wow. I know, it was the most beautiful thing. So, of course, it was not, this record wasn't being made to be sold. It was being made to share for family and friends. Mm. But it's this beautiful vinyl with a picture of her on the back and it's got like a little write-up. But it's been done into CD form now. (laughs) Her singing name was actually June Margaret because that's her middle name. That's her agent's fault again, is it? Probably. You're never going to get anywhere in this with the name Cunning. <laughs> but I can read you the playlist. It says, where or when, it had to be you, every time we say goodbye, as time goes by, dream a little dream, bewitched, bothered and bewildered, blue moon, and I dreamed a dream, here's that rainy day, the folks who live on the hill. Oh, what a great collection. I know. It's really stunning. And it's... Um, and were they all her favourites? Yeah, they were all her favourites. Huh. And... It's been a beautiful thing that we've been able to sort of pass it on to family and friends and, 
she really does have the most beautiful voice. Mm. So that is something that this beautiful vinyl album would go into my time capsule. But just to say, if I was allowed a collection, my vinyl collection to me has been one of the best things in my entire life. I think getting a record is just the most beautiful thing. Mm. I remember... I remember buying my very first singles from a, a record shop in Frodsham. There used to be this little, where I'm from, Frodsham in Cheshire, this fantastic record shop. I remember going down there with my brother, one of my brothers used to go in and like leaf through all the records and buying my first single, which was Ghost Town Specials. And then buying John Lennon Imagine, yeah. you know, with the green apple on and, and going back and playing them on the record player. And then when you get your albums, gosh, I remember getting um, Visitors by Abbott as a Christmas present and waking up in the morning and there was this album next to my pillowcase full of presents of Visitors by ABBA and I was like, oh, I've got the uh. album of Visitors by <laughs> ABBA. And then you played them to death, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the joy of an album is, I think, a joy that's been lost with Spotify and being able to just flip forward and just choose a track you want is that what you listen to is what the people who made the album want you to listen to. Exactly. I think also the artwork on albums is is so beautiful and kind of that the whole like you, you know you really look at the cover and yeah. it's like a sort of real experience sort of opening the record up. It, it makes me very sad in a way that everything is now just. I mean, it's very easy for us to get stuff on Apple Music or Spotify. You can just download any song. Mm. We don't need these records. We don't need the CDs now. They clutter things up. But they're still beautiful, beautiful objects. My nephew said to my dad once. He said, "What, Granddad? When he was very little, he said, what are those big?'" Round things. <laughs> I love it when you're driving in the countryside and you see a sign saying vinyl fair. <laughs> I've gone to a few of those. That's because it can't spell final. <laughs> vinyl fair. All idiots welcome. <laughs> but, oh, oh, yeah, I've got some brilliant vinyl records. And were you very careful with your records? Yeah. And if they got a scratch on, ah, that would just be awful, wouldn't it? Well, it is awful, but at the same time, <laughs> there are certain songs from certain albums that I still think back on. And to me, when I hear them on the radio, I hear them somewhere else, they miss a little click at certain points because, to me, the record is my record. For example, the Kate Bush song, Oh England, My Lionheart, goes, Oh England, my lionheart. Yeah. There's a little in there. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And I love it when it gets into the groove, like the moment of pause, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then on to the next. Yes. Um, and sometimes and you the, wake the... up from a drunken stupor. <laughs> That's never <laughs> happened to me. Um, no, yeah. but just the beautiful, beautiful thing of vinyl and the crackle, you know. I remember the process of fluff on the needle, like blowing that away and then gently placing it on. Yeah. Whenever I can, I get my, I've got a little portable vinyl player now, I get that out and I, I play some vinyl, but it feels. Sad that that doesn't happen more often than it, it used to. Mm. I've got them all lined up here. Okay, go <laughs> oh, and this find is, them this for is a lovely one. You'll like this. <laughs> Bernard Cribbins, Hans Anderson, Thumbelina. Thumbelina, yes. wonderful Copenhagen, anywhere I wander. Yes, you see, he largely basically was the British Danny Kay, wasn't he? <laughs> if Danny Kay recorded something, so did Bernard Cribbins. Exactly. What else have you got in your collection? Genius. Men at work. Men at work. Business as usual. I mean, look at that. God, you're a, you're a girl of the 80s, aren't you? Oh, so 80s. I remember getting Spandau Ballet off my brother for my 10th birthday. I was thrilled with that. And then I got into the Smiths, and that was another vinyl that I've got. And just, it just, mm. I've also got... Ah, oh, 
David Bowie. My absolute favourite. Mm. I mean, I won't go through the whole vinyl collection because we could be <laughs> <not>? all night. <laughs> um, bit of Whitney, yeah. bit of Stevie, seeing him live, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Amazing. God, a good collection you've got. I'm going to come round to your house. We're going to do a vinyl night. Yay! Yeah. That'll be cool. I'm tempted to put the whole collection in there because it's such a nice collection. Oh. But I think that your mum's record, June, and I'm going to give her a proper name, June Cuniff. Yes. Singing all those beautiful songs. You'll never forget the other songs. No. But you can put that one on. And I'm going to put in a hi-fi system with a really expensive needle. <gasps> it's going to sound gorgeous. Am I getting that as a, like a bonus? Yeah, yeah. Bang and Olufsen speakers. There you Ooh, are. I feel like I've won the jackpot. <laughs> I mean, the fact that my dad, for her 50th birthday, arranged that for her to go to the studio, record with her old musician friends, and now we all have my mum's voice forever recorded on vinyl. It's, to me, the best thing he could have done we've all got that forever um, it's a beautiful present it's yeah. an amazing thing to do that took some organizing didn't it it did how much does he love her a lot lovely <laughs> i know okay that's brilliant all right we will put your mum's record into the time capsule M. thank you uh, so what's your second item so my second item would be a painting it's called hazy moorland sun and it's by an artist called Harry Brioche. So I bought this painting in Stratford-upon-Avon. I did a production of Queen Anne, which I think you were part of as well, Mike. A very small part of. A big part of. So we worked (laughs) together in Stratford doing Queen Anne. And during that time, I walked past this gallery and saw this painting in the window. And I really wanted to buy it. And I thought, no, you, you must hold off. But when I came back to London, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. After the job had finished, I rang the gallery and I said, is that painting still there and they said yes it is and I said I'd like to buy it so luckily I it was still there but it's a beautiful painting of the countryside in Warwickshire and it reminded me very much of that you know the drive up to Stratford and those beautiful beautiful skies Mm. um I have a real thing about skyscapes and I love looking at the sky all the time I think that the way the sky changes and paints itself all the time is extraordinary I love Turner uh I love trying myself to do a little bit of painting but I'm not very good it looks a little bit like it's done by three-year-olds but I did (laughs) during lockdown I was sort of finding it quite hard not the fact that all our creativity got taken away from us Mm. so I thought I'm going to try some painting so I just ordered some acrylic paints and I just sat out I was up in Cheshire during lockdown and there's the most beautiful beautiful skies there and the beautiful countryside and I just started painting and mixing colour and so meditative you can just lose yourself in the process and I don't know what I'm doing at all but I sort of enjoy kind of messing around with it and I painted a couple of skyscapes in Cheshire which I won't be putting anywhere other than under the bed but um (laughs) but I think I really admire artists and particularly artists who can do skyscapes and sometimes when you see a bad skyscape it can look a bit blocky or a bit just sort of the colours The fine gradation of the colour is so important. And when you see that done beautifully, to me, that is magical that someone can recreate that. To me, it's almost impossible that anybody could do these paintings. Oh, I know. They're extraordinary, aren't they? Yeah. So you're brave to have a go. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. And and I'm probably being overly harsh on myself because actually one of them, I was like, oh, that's actually quite quite good. But I think it's just because the... It's the process of of painting. You just immerse yourself in that and you just kind of lose yourself in it. And then you you step back and you've kind of hopefully created something which is a a reflection of the sky or the image, whatever it is you're doing. Um, But this painting in particular, I was thinking about, 
you know, what to, I'd go in a time capsule. And I just love this because it reminds me of the land surrounding Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm. So that will always remind me of not only my happy times working there, but also my love for painting. And um, I, as I say, I'm, a, I'm just obsessed with skyscapes. The sky is extraordinary, isn't it? Because sometimes you look at it and you can't actually believe it's real. Yeah. It looks absurd. It's as if somebody has painted it. Absolutely. When sometimes you see the moon and it just looks like this beautiful silver ball and against a very unusually coloured blue or a... Mm. And you're just like, that colour blue is extraordinary. And then I've seen skies where you get one weather front coming up against another. So you can have one complete style on one side and then an absolutely straight line with a completely different weather front on it. And it's straight down the, the middle of the sky, as if someone's put two skies together. It's astonishing. It looks impossible. It looks unbelievable. Yeah. And the way that the sky, the colours can change so quickly. So you can be watching a sunset and you see like the pockets of pink or gold just coming behind clouds. And then suddenly they dipped again and it's changed into something else. It goes into a sort of softer grey. When I was in Cheshire, I was in Cheshire for all of lockdown. Um, I spent a lot of time just sitting looking at the sky more than I would normally. Obviously, if you're on holiday on a beach, you're looking at the sunset with a cocktail in your hand or whatever, but lockdown was like, okay, we really just have time to look at the sky now. It, <laughs> it, it was just sort of spiritual experience for me looking at clouds and the sky. My mum always says, oh, you can see things in the cloud. She's always saying, I can see, can see someone's face in the sky. I can see so-and-so's there or so-and-so's there. And it's not necessarily... People who've passed away, it can just be someone... She'll say to me, I'll be on the phone to her sometimes, she'll say, well, I've just seen you in the sky. You've just gone past in a cloud. You should have been a pilot, Em. Could have spent <laughs> the entire time. time in the sky. There's still time. We'll definitely put that painting into the time capsule then, and you'll be able to stare at it and think of Stratford and all those beautiful skies. Yeah. OK, that's two items, so we've got uh, <laughs> three to go. What's next? OK, it's time for a brief advertising interlude to keep the wolf from the door. We'll be back very soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
Welcome back. Now, if there was nothing between my last announcement and this one, then that wolf is just walking up the drive and is about to knock on the main door in the West Wing. Hope the butler leaves a chain on the door. Still, let's get back to Emma Cuniff and find out what else she'd like to put in her time capsule. So my next item... Now, this is a bit of a, like... There's a bit of a fight-off here because it's either going to be... A signed letter from Doris Day or a signed picture from Harry Hill. So I think we have to say, fight, as Harry Hill would say, <laughs> to my very favourite people, Doris Day and Harry Hill. I can't really help you, I'm afraid. <laughs> You're wanting me to say, well, let's put them both... Oh, bugger it, let's put them both in. Come on, you can put them both in, I don't mind. We'll put them in as signed things. Well, there we go. Signed things. It's funny, isn't it, signed things? Because people... Love a kind of autograph. People you know, sometimes, as an actor, you get someone sending you photos to sign, and they think, "Where did you get that from?" That's a really old photo. But people love signatures, and I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily obsessed with signed things, but I think the fact that I have a signed letter from Doris Day that my dad wrote to Doris Day when um, I was about ten, because I was obsessed with her. <laughs> uh, I used to watch Calamity Jane over and over again. I knew every single word. Still do to all the songs and all the um, the dialogue as well. And then I became obsessed with all her other films, Love Me or Leave Me, Young at Heart. I think it's probably one of my all-time favourite films of hers. And my dad knew that I was obsessed with her and she was one of the reasons I kind of got into the idea of performing, I think. I think she was an amazing actress, Doris Day. People think of her as just being, you know, the sunshiny American, all-American girl, but she was a really, really, really smart actress. She does an enormous range of performances, doesn't she? People think of her as one thing, and that's completely wrong, because she does go from those sort of, you know, silly, frothy, dizzy blonde girl yeah. to really dark movies. And she had a really sad and painful life, actually. It's really, you know, she had really difficult, turbulent times personally and um, a lot of tragedy in her life. And I think, have you heard that story that she got offered a part in Dallas? No. I, I think she got offered a part, maybe the, I might have got this wrong, but I'm sure someone said she got offered a part in Dallas, but she didn't want to do it. She sort of withdrew from performing and she had that animal sanctuary that she ran for many years. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was sort of rather cruelly called the dog lady. Yeah. She was the biggest star in the world, wasn't she, for a long time. She really was. So my dad, getting back to the, my dad wrote to her and uh, she wrote back. I mean, whether it was just... an extraordinary thing. He just sort of looked up her address or something. Yeah, he just... I I don't... I suppose in those days you could find them. Yeah. You could just find someone's address. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it must have been via a a fan club or, you know... But to get a letter is is extraordinary, isn't it? Not just a signed photograph or something. No, it was a letter. She would have done hundreds of them to write a letter personally. Yeah. What does it say, Em? Do you mind me asking? No, it just says, um, Dear Emma, um, thank you for your letter. Wishing you all the very best... Doris Day. That's enough. And there was a photo in there, in with it. It's really, really lovely. Some people are very strange about giving or, you know, asking for autographs, aren't they? But I always think if somebody has the courage to ask for an autograph, it's not in your position to judge whether it's a worthwhile thing or not. No, exactly. I had a funny thing once I was... um, I was driving back up to see my parents a long time ago and I was at a service station. I was just having a coffee and this lady came up to me and she cleared the coffee and she said, "Um, sorry, sorry to bother you, um... Do you mind if I get your autograph? And I, I said, oh, no, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and she sort of put this piece of paper in front of me and a pen and, and I just said, oh, who's it to? And, and she said, oh, to Sarah. And so I said, put to Sarah, love from 
Emma Cunniff and gave it to her and she said, oh, thank you so much. She went, I loved you in Coronation Street and ran off. But at this point, I have actually been in Coronation Street now, but at that point I hadn't been in Coronation Street. (laughs) (laughs) And and she sort of scuttled away so fast. And I thought, do I shout after her? It's not me. Or do I just sort of leave it hanging? And I have this image of her watching Corrie, like going, hang on a minute. Emma, no, that's not, what? That's not the right person. Um, Who do you look like? There was a character that I did look like. And actually, I bumped into this actress once and we both said, oh, we yeah, we look a bit like each other, don't we? Curly hair. But the whole thing around autographs, I mean, I, I have got another, so this is now turning into sort of, I'm like an autograph hunter, but I have <laughs> also got Oliver Reed's autograph. We bumped into him at um, an airport when I was young. Sober? He was at the bar and he was wearing a rugby shirt. I remember that. And all I remember is that Oliver Reed drew a picture of a wolf, a big bad wolf, and put to Emma because Dad said Emma's doing panto at the moment. He's just doing... I was playing Red Riding Hood, so he put a picture of the big bad wolf. Well, so you did chat a bit then as well. Yeah. That goes completely against the image that he projected all the time. Yeah. This gruff and dangerous man. Well, maybe that's why he put the big bad wolf on there, I think. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. So what about Harry Hill then? Oh, Harry Hill. Mm. I've always been a fan. I'm a massive fan of Harry Hill and I've seen him about five or six times live and I saw him in Edinburgh at the Pleasance in a really small... It was in the 90s, I saw him and I remember some of the brilliant gags. My father always said, never fight fire with fire, which is why I was thrown out of the fire service. (laughs) 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 I love the really bizarre things he did. He used to do a thing where he'd hold his hand up one way and then turn it over and say two things that rhyme. Yeah, static rights, static tights. You've got to have a system. He used to say pork chop, lamb chop. You've got to have a system. (laughs) I mean, I've always slightly, if if someone doesn't get Harry Hill's sense of humour, I'm always slightly concerned about them. I think, why not? But you would have thought that actually it was a rather specialist sense of humour, wouldn't you? You would have thought that. But actually, for him to transfer it from, you know, a rather niche television programme on Channel 4 to suddenly being, you know, the bloopers shows. Yeah. And to have his own mainstream Saturday night ITV show where he didn't change his sense of humour at all. Exactly. And the whole nation got it. They, they really did, which leads me on to, so my obsession with Harry Hill continued. I saw him play various different venues, Battersea Arts Centre, and I saw Regent's Park, and I sort of stalked him a little bit. Not that he knows that. he'd be. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm sitting on my sofa one day watching Harry Hill's TV burp, and uh, I love the little bits we used to go. He, he, he went, hot dog handshake on the bill. And there was this little clip of me. It was me. I saw my face. I was like, ah. I I think I was eating some food and I sort of spat it out. I was like, I'm a Harry Hill. And it was was me. (laughs) There was a scene where my character in the bill was going through a a difficult divorce and it was all a bit edgy. And then there was a moment where they had to, that's the son had gone missing. My son had gone missing and the ex-husband had turned up and we were trying to find the son and it was all the... And there was a moment when we were sort of holding hands to sort of try and connect over this moment of loss and Mm. difficulty. And I remember really, really clearly the director saying to me, "Okay, we just need to do a a shot of your hands, like, you know, holding hands. And we sort of did this like, because they were, it was a bit of an awkward, you know, moment. (laughs) So the director said, we'll just get a shot of the hands, like, you know, just connecting. So so we went to, to hold hands and we did this really weird, like my thumb kind of went into his Thumb and it looked like a, it looked like a hot like a hot dog, and it was like a sort of you know that moment where you like hold someone's hands a bit awkwardly and you sort of 
you're like kind of gripping onto each other in a really weird way and then you sort of slip away. So Harry Hill had chosen this hot dog handshake on the bill. Oh, marvellous. And I was over the moon. I mm. rang my brother, who my brother Jed, who's also a massive Harry Hill fan. I rang him immediately. I went, Jed, I'm just on Harry Hill. I can't believe it. I'm over the moon. <laughs> um, anyway, so the signed thing I have from Harry Hill, though, is he was playing a gig at Regent's Park and my partner at the time was supposed to be coming along, but he got delayed coming back from somewhere and I was waiting for him and then we missed, basically we missed the window of opportunity to go and see Harry Hill through circumstances that doesn't really matter. But I knew the lady that was stage managing that show, which is where she got me the tickets. And uh, he sent a message for me that she gave me when the next time she saw me saying, Dear Emma, where were you tonight? Love, Harry. Oh. So we'd missed the event and he'd sent me this message via her saying, where were you tonight? He's not actually called Harry in real life, is he? In, it's I don't think so, no. Steve Brown, who's his musical director, I've known for many years, so that's my connection with Harry Hill, really. He's bumping into him on various uh, trips to do various shows, as actors often do, bumping into each other in service stations. So that would be my connection with Harry Hill. Not great, but uh, but enough for me. Very nice man. I love him, and... Um... Hot dog handshake on the bill will always be one of my one of my best ever television moments. I'm going to definitely do a hot dog handshake later today. <laughs> see I if think anybody you know what it means. It's like when the thumb kind of gets trapped in the other person's hand, and it's all a bit. I'm never going to do a normal one again. That's it. I'm in with the thumb every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I'm happy to cheat. Oh, you? I'm happy to put lovely Doris Day and Harry Hill in there. Oh. They're both going in for you oh. as signed objects. <laughs> That's how it's announced. <laughs> Next subject is signed objects. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm very chuffed with that. Okay, so we've got two to go. One, one you're happy to put in there and you want to keep preserved and one that you want to get rid of. Right. So the thing that I'm happy to put in next mm-hmm. would be my pink yoga mat. Okay. You weren't expecting me to say that, were you? No, I wasn't, no. <laughs> I miscouched a 5K. I know. Suddenly. It was going to be my new Nike Zoom trainers, but um, I know. Uh, it, it's. Um, I was thinking about putting in some a rose plant because I love pink roses, and I was thinking about sort of seeds to grow a rose plant or a rose plant, and then I thought, well, so I like this pink, and then I thought, I love my pink yoga mat, and I have come to... <laughs> I've come to really, really fully appreciate and understand the brilliant power of yoga over the last kind of 20 years of my life but particularly in really 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 the last five years recent times because it's I just think it's the most perfect thing for not just making your body feel better but for your mind it just stills calms your mind because Mm. you're connecting with your breath in a way that we don't always remember to do and I think when we're exercising sometimes when we're running or we're doing sort of aerobic stuff it's a different type of um you really get to sit still you really connect with yourself it's a very um spiritually enhancing kind of thing to do I feel every time I've done a yoga class even if it's a struggle to get even to start it and get through it I just feel connected again with myself and with the earth and I think that I've been really lucky to have found a, a, an amazing yoga teacher that I, I went on a yoga retreat to Spain to the Andalusia mountains a, a few years ago and I met a brilliant yoga teacher there called Tashi who was from Australia and during 
lockdown, of course, suddenly she put all her classes online. So I was doing classes that she was live in Australia and I was doing them in Cheshire. And uh, the routine of getting up early and doing it in the morning and just taking that time to sort of check in with yourself and your body. And it's just the most fantastic thing. And the fact that it's been around for what... Thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Thousands I mean, of years, I think, yes. I don't know anything about yoga. I've never done yoga. The closest I've got to it are those sort of slow warm-ups that they do in large theatre companies. So when you're preparing yourself for a performance. And I've always loved them. I find it very relaxing and very enjoyable. I don't know why I've never continued to do it outside of those situations. A bit stupid, really. But then I am. What can you do? <laughs> it's it's a funny thing because some people sort of say, oh, I can't do yoga. Or, the moves are too difficult. You know, it's too sort of, the stretches are too intense. I can't do it. But actually, it the whole point of yoga is it's not about getting it right or wrong or pushing yourself. You take it at your own pace. And it's, mm. it's very, very much to do with you really understanding and connecting with how you're checking with how your body's feeling that day. So you don't win. You don't win. It's not a competition, no. No. It clearly is of great benefit, yoga. It's great. It's great for your joints. It's great for when you do the sort of rounds of sun salutations quickly. It's really good for your heart rate and everything like that. But it's also just so good for your mind because you have to connect with your breath and you have to be in your body properly. And I, I, I just have really come to love it as a, as a practice that I feel, if I don't do it, I feel all off balance. And so I do it now consistently. Mm. And my yoga mat has become a sort of really important thing for me. And I thought that, you know, you can just even just sit on it and have a think with a cushion, you know, it just is a really lovely thing. That um, once you get that thing out, you know, this is me for half an hour. Yeah, it's your space. Yeah. It's brilliant. I, I. Well, if you're going to go into this time capsule, you've also got to have somewhere comfy to sit while you sit and look at the sky. Yeah. And listen to your mum sing on the record player and ad- admire your autographed letter from Doris Day. Yeah. And it's got to go in there, Em. I'm going to be very chilled and happy. You're going to open that up and go, oh, what a lovely world I'm moving into. <laughs> Anytime you like. It's gorgeous. Yeah, the only reason I can't do yoga at the moment is because it would deprive my family of amusement. (laughs) I went to the Ashdown Forest with my grandchildren the other day and we had a picnic on the floor and I had a sandwich and a drink in my hand and tried to sit from a standing position down to a sitting position and ended up rolling over backwards. Brilliant. Uh, because I could only get so close to the ground and then I had to just basically give way. That's a classic yoga move, that, Mike. Is it a classic? (laughs) I'm a natural. Okay, good. I don't need to do it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and did you feel connected and spiritually enhanced? Yes? I, I'm absolutely connected. Yes. yes. I know where every bottle in this house is. <laughs> okay, we've come to our last item. Um, this is something you want to get rid of. I've got a couple of things. The first thing I'm going to start with is bananas, <laughs> because I cannot stand bananas. And some people get really funny when you say that. They go, what do you mean you don't like bananas? <laughs> you have to like bananas. Why don't you like bananas? They're really good for you. They're full of potassium. You must like them. <laughs> and I'm like, I really don't like them at all. The smell, the texture, ugh, the very thought of them makes me feel uncomfortable on every level. I really, really don't like them. I did a play, The Rose in Kingston, called Dumb Show, and the, the character was supposed to eat a banana. It was scripted, Joe Pennell play, and um, she's supposed to be eating a banana. And I said to Stephen Unwin, the director, I was getting anxious as we were coming to this moment in rehearsal, and I just said, I, I, I cannot, I can't eat a banana. And they all went, what? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the other actors just went, yeah. 
yeah, what are you talking about? You just eat the bananas. I'm like, no, I can't. I won't be able to do it. No, no. I went into a mild <laughs> meltdown. No, I can't. Don't make me do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to just not eat the banana in there. I can't even remember now how we replaced it. But I've been around for dinner at friends' houses and the banoffee pies come out and everyone's going, oh, banoffee pie. And I've had to sort of do a Mr Bean and put it under the napkin at the side, you know, <laughs> throw it into the plant pot because I really... So it's not a question of, it, of the nature of the banana then. It's not that, you know, I don't mind a firm banana, but a mushy one, the one that's gone off a bit. Oh, that's you know, even worse than just, yeah. Can you imagine? What about a banana sandwich, Em? Could you ever imagine I literally couldn't think of anything more horrific. <laughs> no 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 but no bananas for me no bananas all right okay well i'm trying to work out how i'm going to put no bananas into the time but capsule. it's going to link up but it's going but, to link up it well it all links together exactly okay so as i was thinking about the fact i'm going to put bananas in and people would just laugh at me on every level and think that's just utterly <laughs> stupid and ridiculous and that's quite sad I thought, well, what is this about bananas then? And why am I so disturbed by them? And then I thought, maybe I'm just scared of, of like, yeah. if I was to sort of dare myself to eat some banana, I might go, oh, actually, I don't dislike them as much as I thought. You see, I think all these things link back to when I was at primary school, one of the dinner ladies, I didn't want to eat this this bowl of fruit that we were given for our dessert. I didn't want it because I don't like fruit particularly. I like some fruits, but it had banana in it. And I said, no, I'm not having it. And she, she sort of force-fed it to me. She yeah. dragged me to one side and force-fed it. But it got me thinking, is a lot of this fear-based? And then the other thing I thought I really want to put in the time capsule, being a bit naughty now, is fear. Because fear is often present in life but we have to just squash that voice down and have the courage to do things feel the fear and do it anyway Mm -hmm. but it's hard sometimes because and I think as we get older we can become a bit more fearful of certain things when we're younger you kind of just do things without thinking yeah yeah you know you see a little kid running down a a street without thinking you know sometimes recklessly yes so they need to be guided slightly but I see what you mean that you start shutting doors Certainly you see that amongst uh, older people with technology. Yes. I have a neighbour who, who unfortunately is on his own. And I tried to show him. I, he's not a poor man. I tried to say, why don't you get yourself a tablet of some sort? Because then you can look at anything you want to look at. You can see the world. It's all there in front of you. I tried to show him how to get onto YouTube. And he loves jazz. And I tried to get onto and say, look, what was your favourite jazz performer? And he said, oh... Duke Ellington. I said, okay, yeah, there's a Duke Ellington concert, an entire thing, live. Do you want to see it? He went, oh, I'd love to see that. I said, but that's all you have to do. It's that easy. And he went, yeah, but I, I don't know how to work those things. Yeah. And that's fear, I think. It is. I think I think we, we convince ourselves, as you say, that fear is, is okay because it stops us doing the thing that is going to be harmful or damaging or difficult. And it's like, well, no, it's often, though, fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. but no one knows what's going to come. And often we, we talk ourselves out of things or we, we, I'm not going to do that because that might happen, that might happen, that might happen. But they're just thoughts racing around. That's, yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. No. So you have to quieten the voice of fear. There's a great quote, um, if you can't beat fear, do it scared. Yes, quite. And there's a brilliant quote by Marie Curie, which is, nothing in life is to be feared it is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. It's very true. I think you're often scared of something you don't know or don't recognise. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, as actors, I think 
we spend a lot of our life worrying and in fear about how where's work going to come from how are we going to get the next job and particularly at the moment obviously it's that is intensified tenfold but fear of the future is only going to make things worse you just have to sort of go what will be will be do the things you can do each day or start painting start painting get on your yoga mat yeah look at your Harry Hill DVD, you know, it's all... <laughs> no, but I'm sorry, I'm sounding very... No, no, it's, just... it's a very good point. I have to say that going back to you talking about us being at the RSC together, that moment before you walk on stage on the first night of a performance in in front of a, a new audience, never seen it before, you don't know what's going to happen. No. But we've made that step many times. Yeah. And generally, even if it's absolute rubbish what you do, it's still worth taking that step yeah it's fight or flight isn't it Mm. you just have to go for it I mean I remember I mean when I played Queen Anne Queen Anne was full of fear when she first took over the the throne and Mm. actually that's quite useful to start that play because I was terrified terrified the first time I did that performance (laughs) in Stratford you remember it was a hairy kind of time and um, it's quite useful if you're playing a character who's terrified because you can just be terrified as well and that's fine it all merges into one but then as as her courage and confidence grew throughout that play in Queen Anne you know um, recognising that people can overcome fear and find courage and strength is something I actually really hold on to I learned a lot doing that play because I think that our past can sometimes make us feel fearful but if it does we have to just go that's gone we don't know what's to come we only have now. And I think at the moment, particularly in this current climate, we're all very frightened of, we've been frightened of, you know, the coronavirus, what's going to happen. It feels scary, scary, scary times, which is even, it's even more on us now to dig deeper within ourselves and find our courage and strength and stillness and just look to the day and be as positive as possible. Gosh, Mike, I've gone all spiritual on this, haven't I? I will get up off my knees. And- <laughs> You're going to get no, a pink I, yoga mat now. A pink yoga mat? You betcha. And a leotard. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking um, It's just, I just, I think if I could get, if fear could be gone from the world, so many problems would be solved. Yep. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah. And a maniac with a machete. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm, oh, I'm, gosh. I'm taking it now. I'm putting it in that time capsule. And I'm sealing it tight yeah. in its own little area so that if you want to, you can go in and listen to your mum and look at the sky and enjoy yourself. Thank you. What about the bananas? Where are they going? Bananas? <laughs> I'll eat them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been lovely. You have been listening to the 99th episode of My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Emma Cuniff. You can subscribe to this podcast on Acast, the podcast provider through whom we make these podcasts, or your own choice of podcast supplier. Some of those suppliers will give you the chance to rate and review the show. So if you're given that chance, we'd be really grateful if you'd take it. Thank you. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for news about what's coming up on My Time Capsule. This has been a cast-off production. The producer was John Fenton-Stevens and the music is by Pass the Peas Music. It's available to download for free on Spotify. Just look for My Time Capsule theme tune. So thanks for listening and I hope you'll listen to our next episode, our 100th episode, recorded on the other side of the world. 100 episodes, eh? 
Oh, hang on, I'll just pop next door and see how the rehearsals are going for part two of the 100th episode celebration concert. Do you think that's too subtle? I mean, on the night, there'll be fireworks, of course, and a replica of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And George Clooney, naked. I mean, we haven't invited him. He just turns up everywhere. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.